Diocese of Churches for the Sake of Others is pleased to present the C4SO podcast, a place to celebrate the voices and values of C4SO. C4SO is a national diocese of the Anglican Church in North America, led by Bishop Todd Hunter. You can learn more about us at c4so.org. Welcome, everyone, again to the C4SO podcast. I'm your host, Ben Sternke. I'm here with Bishop Todd Hunter. How are you today, Todd? I'm cool, but I'm feeling a little left out because yeah. I don't get to be in on all these conversations. I know. So yeah, we, I look we forward to listening to them. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. no, it's. I'm so glad you're doing this. I'm glad for all these guests and good to be here today. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, it's good to. Uh, this has been a fun series so far. Uh, we are continuing our series today uh, called Reimagining Church for a Post-COVID World. Um, real quick announcement. First, during the month of May, part of our celebration of Asian American Pacific Heritage Month, we are amplifying the voices of our Asian American brothers and sisters as a step toward our kingdom vision of racial and ethnic diversity uh, and inclusion. Uh, there's a lot uh, going on there. You can check it out in the show notes, including Visio Divina, um, learning about Asian American heroes of the past and recent experiences of anti-Asian racism here in the U.S. on the blog. Um, and this week, actually, this is coming up, um, we are hosting a discussion of the Oscar-nominated movie Minari, which is about a Korean family uh, that emigrates to America. And that is going to be Thursday, May 27th at 7.30 p.m. Central Time. Links to that story and uh, the registration are in the show notes. Um, So for this series, we've covered uh, leadership, just overall leadership of our churches during Mm -hmm. uh, coming out of COVID. We've covered uh, the topic of physical space uh, that our churches inhabit. And today our topic is liturgy and sacraments, which is, you know, obviously related uh, to physical space in some ways. Um, But Todd, I wonder what have been your uh, reflections on liturgy, sacraments uh, during this time, um, and why you thought this should be included in our discussion. Yeah, if you think of just the basics of a sacramental worldview, meaning that God often mediates himself to us uh, Mm -hmm. in material ways, um, beginning, of course, with the incarnation of the Son, but, you know, think of Jesus, you know, spitting and making mud and putting it in someone's eyes and, and thinking of it more and the way that we're thinking of it today, um, I think there's been a real loss. And I think, Ben, it's similar to what we talked about last week when, remember I said that it's like physical space went from this cherished thing to mm-hmm. like this place that had cooties, to use a, a word from my <laughs> yeah, childhood. Right, 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 you know, right. like, oh, we don't even want to go into a physical space or get within yeah. six feet of each other. So it's like physical space, this thing that we cherish that mediated our love to each other Like I shook somebody's hand this last Sunday in church for the first time in like 18 months. Yeah. And it just felt like it was this combination of slightly weird, like 20% weird, but 80%, oh my God, I'm shaking someone's hand or giving someone other than my family member a hug. It just, it was amazing. Well, I think it's similar to the sacramental parts of our worship and discipleship life. So last week we were talking about like a building or a room, um, you know, being sort of suspicious because of the pandemic. Well, just uh-huh. think of the space of the inside of a chalice. Yeah. You know, that used to be right. this thing that mediated to us the blood of Christ. Well, now it's like, I don't know, you're putting your yeah. fingers in there, putting your lips on there. And yeah. And so I think, yeah. or, um, or think of a baptismal font, um, you know, people dipping their fingers in there, just all those sorts of things, you know, kneeling yeah. at a rail next to each other, all the physicality that surrounded the things that are normally so cherished to us um, in Christ being mediated to us in these practices of liturgy and sacrament are as simple as passing the peace or dipping your fingers to, you know, um, in the baptismal font, those things all became really challenging. And I think making our way back to those things, not merely for religious or legalistic reasons, but because they are spiritual practices that really Mm -hmm. have nourished people. Yeah, And so I'm, again, I've always, I suppose I've said this before, but I'm so blessed by the creativity of our clergy. And I just know we're in a sort of a, a transitional space right now of trying to get yeah. back to those things. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a lot of, um, we just recorded this interview. And so that's what a lot of um, our guests talked about. 
um, who've all been, you know, leading through this pandemic. They, they talked about the, the relief um, and the, the pastoral gift uh, that comes as they're able to reinstitute the procession, yeah. the gospel procession, mm-hmm. and the yeah. baptismal font. And, um, and I, I've heard some really interesting and creative ideas um, that I had never heard yeah. <laughs> in this interview in terms of like how to administer the, the, the communion in both kinds right. um, and just some of the things that uh, folks are looking looking to get back into just, and this, this is like real time right now, you know, as the CDC releases right. new guidance and all this stuff, yeah. like a lot of, a lot of what um, Cliff and Sean and Amanda talked about was stuff that they're like next week, this is, we start this next week or, yeah. you know, this summer we're starting, you know, kids ministry again and, you know, all of these other, you know, kinds of things. Yeah. It's so. one of the reasons I'm so glad you're doing this episode, Ben, because people are still making decisions, like you said, in real time. Like yeah. the one church I went to Sunday morning, uh, completely unmasked and et cetera. The one I went to in the afternoon, masked, socially distanced, et cetera. And I don't, I'm not criticizing either one of them. Both those leaders were, because the CDC thing only came out like on Friday. Yeah. I tried to quickly send something to the clergy, but like you said, we're all... Uh, trying to do with do this in real time, so I'm really looking forward to all of our listeners hearing these creative ideas as they're trying mm-hmm. to make decisions in yeah. real time. Like yeah. I had to go to a Walgreens this morning, and everybody's still masked. And I asked the lady just for the fun of it. Again, I don't mind wearing yeah. a mask, but I said, "So when do you think this is going to go away?" And she said, "Oh, it could be another month or so." So yeah. that's like a Walgreens, and so, right? Yeah, yeah. So, it's hard. It's hard to know. say. Yeah, yeah. Our I just heard an announcement this morning that Indianapolis, where I live, uh, is lifting. It had been under a mask mandate mm-hmm. um, uh, that had been a little bit different. It had always been a little bit more strict than the state as a whole, but um, but they're lifting that um, for okay. vaccinated, and they're, they're yes. kind of similar to the CDC guidance for vaccinated individuals right. on June seventh. They're lifting it, um, but you know that still raises questions. We were just talking as a leadership team about. You know, kids can't get the vaccines right. at this point. And so do we want to require our children's volunteers as we I reinstitute know. kids ministry to be vaccinated? Or, Can we? Yeah. Should we or, ask that? Or you have some adults who can't get the vaccine for medical reasons. You have others right. who are protesting. And so yeah. now do we inject into our church a new set of, oh, you're not wearing a mask. I wonder yeah, if you're an right, anti-vaxxer. Right. Uh, or, right, like a two-tiered so I'm, uh, system. I'm so looking forward to uh, <sighs> yeah. uh, this conversation. And I, I know we'll sort these things out in the months We ahead. will. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out as we go. Anyway, uh, yeah, it was a good conversation. Looking forward to um, having you all hear it. So let's get into it. Hey everyone, welcome to part three of our series, Reimagining Church for a Post-COVID World. Uh, Today our topic is Reimagining Liturgy and Sacraments, and I'm joined by three guests who have all been actively leading churches in our diocese through this pandemic the past, uh, how long has it been, 15, 17 months? Feels like a lifetime. Um, Let me do some quick introductions here for you. The Reverend Amanda Holm Rosengren is curate at Church of the Redeemer in Highwood, Illinois. Welcome to the podcast, Amanda. Thank you. Did I get all of that right? I think so. My title is in flux at the moment. So Okay. uh, Well, I wondered about that because you recently priested, right? right. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, The Reverend Cliff Warner is rector at Christ Church in Austin. Welcome, Cliff. Thank you. And then the Reverend... Sean Flannery is rector at Church of the Vine in Newburgh, Ohio, or sorry, Oregon. I, I saw the O and I, I just went for Ohio, but you, you do not live in Ohio. You live in Oregon. Yeah, it might be rainier this time of year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Thanks. Good to well, be welcome, here, guys, uh, to the C4SO podcast. I'm really thankful that we get to hear from you all uh, on this topic today. Um, our topic, as I mentioned earlier, is liturgy and sacraments. Um, this is related to, we, last week we talked about the use of physical space in our churches. Um, and uh, so this topic is related to that, right? Liturgy and sacraments, a lot of this is related to the physical spaces that we use and the physical way that our worship is uh, as Anglicans. Um, and then, you know, Anglicanism, it is a sacramental church tradition, um, which means that the church is inherently embodied and inherently participatory. Um, so 
you know, um, I think part of the reason this is an interesting topic for me is that for for us as Anglicans in a sacramental liturgical tradition, uh, worship is not a show we put on primarily. It's not, it doesn't, and in that sense, it doesn't translate easily to the screen. Um, I, I think there's other uh, traditions that translate more easily to the screen because it feels a little bit more like a show, not to put it too pejoratively. Um, but, you know, you can't take the Eucharist virtually, um, even though there is such a thing as spiritual communion, but you can't actually take the Eucharist virtually. There has to be some level of uh, embodiedness uh, to it. Um, and our liturgy is, of course, meant to be uh, prayed together um, rather than performed by professionals. And so um, I think COVID has disrupted um, liturgy and sacraments for us uh, in some unique ways. And I want to have a discussion today about that uh, with the three of you, about what you've been noticing and learning and, and what you're planning as it regards liturgy and sacraments in uh, your churches. Um, so maybe just to give, give us started, um, just to give our listeners some context, maybe give a brief overview of how you have been handling um, liturgy and sacraments during the pandemic so far. You know, so have you been using pre-consecrated elements? Have you just been encouraging people to take spiritual communion? Um, have you been fasting from communion? Like what, what, just give us an overview of uh, where you've been and what you've uh, been doing. Amanda, maybe we can start with you. Sure. Um, I think we've kind of gone in stages when it first um, started, the way we handled it is, well, first of all, we had just moved into a new building. So I appreciate, oh, you? Ben, oh. what, you, what you shared about you know, the importance of space and um, yeah. participation and physicality. Um, yeah. So all those things, here we have this space and oh, now we can't be in it. Um, but right. what we did is we live streamed from the space, but it was just my rector and, and me um, leading the service. And so yeah. at first we did morning prayer, uh, very, very okay. simple. Um, I think we did that for a number of months. Uh, in August, I think we regathered and we had a team working on that so that he and I didn't have to be the ones making making those decisions. And okay. we did start offering Eucharist in one kind with you know wafers mm-hmm. and the face shield and you know going out to people rather than people coming forward and all those modifications, as well as okay. including a prayer for spiritual communion for people who were at home. Um, mm-hmm. We did, you know, a drive-through Eucharist at one point uh, for Pentecost, um, yeah. and at one point we, we decided not to go back to morning prayer, even when the requirements. We, we've been pretty careful about following the state guidelines. Um, we just mm-hmm. felt like that was a good, a, a good um, path for us. So yeah. even when we could only have ten people in the building, we decided to keep doing Eucharist with the ten okay. people in the building because that was such an important yeah. thing for our okay. community. Um, the other thing that we that we've done. Um, which has been kind of exciting and creative is to send things to people's homes to help them mm. participate. Like for Christmas, we sent a Christ candle to every household mm. um, so that people could light that. And, and they sent yeah. us pictures and how they're using that. So that was kind of a, we tried to provide touchstones for people along the way. Um, for yeah. Lent, we sent out packets that included a um, little tiny thing of ashes that people um, mm. could participate at home with the ashes that had already been blessed. Um, and our children's pastor has also done some things, you know, sent home godly play kits and things just to try to help people participate and not just yeah. watch, even if they're at home. Um, yeah. The other little thing that my rector reminded me of that, that he was intentional about, about doing to help with um, the participation is he's changed to a glass chalice so that even though hmm. people weren't receiving the wine, they could see it. Um, oh, that kind of visual. So I was glad he reminded me about that this week. Um, and the other thing we've just tried to say, you know what, this isn't normal (laughs) and we shouldn't pretend that it is this disruption. Um, it's not the way it's supposed to be. And Mm. we just, we, we, we can't, we can't fix that. And we've just got to kind of mourn that together, even as we try to keep connecting in ways that we can. Yeah, that's really interesting, Amanda. Uh, especially, I've never heard of that uh, idea of using a glass chalice, so at least people can see the wine. Um, fascinating. Yeah, I know we have we did. Um, you know, we pour the wine during the you know during the doxology during the offering, kind of the table as the table gets set. So there is a way for people to see it being poured into uh, the chalice. And I think mm-hmm. as you as you mentioned that, I think that's why that felt. I think it was just an intuition, but that's why that felt important for the for the wine not to already have been in the chalice mm-hmm. when the service starts, especially because people won't be partaking of it. 
Um, yeah. That's fascinating. My rector, I should say, his name is Jay. So now I can just say Jay uh -huh. instead of my rector, Jay right, Greener. Right. Yeah, good. And yes. apparently this is something that Henri Nouwen did when he moved to L'Arche, was to use a glass chalice. So I think that's really? where he got yeah. the idea. I love that. I also appreciate the the leadership of just sort of naming for people that it's this is not normal. This feels weird. It's okay that it feels weird. It's okay that we're sad about this. You know, that's that that has been a, uh, an ongoing thing for us as well. Just to, just to remind people, um, it feels weird because it is weird. <laughs> you know, it's okay yeah. that you feel that way. Mm -hmm. It's okay that this doesn't feel right. Doesn't feel good because it isn't right, right and it isn't good. You know, mm. yeah. Good, Sean. How about you guys? Yeah, I think that note about this being weird mm. it really started off for us um, by just embracing this um, this kind of frame that this is a fast from okay. it's a fast from the the sacramental body of Christ uh, communion, and it's a it's a it's a fast from the assembled body of Christ, mm -hmm. and and fasts are um, they're not easy, and so that kind of started us um, and kind of carried us through, um, I think, how the community made sense of the changes. We started on um, in March with sort of um, taking the, the family prayer service from Book of Common Prayer okay. and uh, sending home um, those, those liturgies along with um, like a pre-recorded sermon. So we did mm -hmm. that um, where folks could be on their own, um, you know, with their family, praying through yeah. that. And then on Easter Sunday, 2020, we had our first Zoom. Mm -hmm. And I think even that little incremental shift, and that's really mm -hmm. the word I think that's kind of characterized Church of the Vine journey um, has been incremental. Mm -hmm. But that little incremental shift, when people got to see each other on a mm -hmm. Zoom mm -hmm. that first Easter Sunday, it was it was really striking, like the seeing the visual body. It almost had a, an echo of that sacramental um, kind of mercy and, and grace. Hmm. And so that first Zoom, we were all loving it. it the, the, the enthusiasm for Zoom didn't last long. Um, <laughs> right. Right. And so we were on Zoom from Easter um, until uh, about July. And again, yeah. we were kind of framing that time as a time of fast. Um, yeah. And in July of 2020, we went to um, a, a public park and we were there really without um, interruption from July until just after, um, just after uh, All Saints. Okay. And so that was a fantastic run of dry Sundays. Um, mm -hmm. There was one week we had such terrible fires that we actually couldn't meet. But, oh, wow. Um, yeah. You know, that, that was a real gift. And I think part of that season of returning to the Eucharist, of returning to assembled worship um, and doing it outdoors, um, it, it, was, it was very powerful. The fast taught, a lot, taught people a lot. And I think the, the journey, kind of the wilderness wanderings and realizing God's people can be assembled really anywhere, people experienced that. And there was a goodness, um, a goodness to that season it was tough to go back to Zoom. Mm -hmm. It was tough. Like we had that stretch. We were real safe, lots of distance. Um, you know, we, um, we, you know, tweaked all of the liturgy um, to, you know, accommodate the social health or uh, public health protocols. Um, yeah. So we had a great summer and early fall, but when we had to go back, it was tough. And so we yeah. went back to Zoom okay. and we were on Zoom until uh, Palm Sunday. And then okay. Palm Sunday, we were back outdoors at the same right. park with a processional. Like we, we started yeah, back yeah. in person with yeah, the full yeah. processional. Yeah. And then we had, and then Easter Sunday was dry. And um, mm -hmm. so it was, it's, it's really been kind of an incremental shift. And we've tweaked mm -hmm. the liturgy incrementally along the way as we've learned yeah. more about how this thing, how COVID transmits. Yeah. And, yep. um, so yeah, it's, um, it's been a lot of different mm -hmm. <laughs> nimble approaches. Yeah. Yeah. We've done the same thing, you know, just, we used to be super concerned about surfaces, for example, early on. Um, and then, you know, slowly the, the kind of the guidance came out that like, you know what, this is pretty much an airborne deal. And so, uh, we were, we were able to return to our kneeling rail when we, when we meet indoors and things mm -hmm. like that, which has, has been really nice for people. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Uh, Sean, I had a, a quick question for you about, um, you, you mentioned going on to Zoom. Amanda, you talked about live streaming. I'm, I'm assuming, uh, and I want to ask you about this, but I'm assuming there's a difference between those two things. Yeah. For you going to Zoom means everybody's on a Zoom screen, including the leaders of the liturgy. Yeah. Yes. And then, oh, sorry. Amanda, yes. You, people at home cannot see me nod at you, Ben. So oh, yeah, uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That, that's correct. Like correct, Zoom, yes. everybody's got their own tile. Yes. Um, we have yeah. somebody administrating the Zoom, and yeah. so they're off camera moving the liturgy, mm-hmm. scrolling through, and then they're making people the active speaker. Um, yeah. But everybody sees each other. That was yeah. the key piece for us, um, yeah. is that yeah. we could all be you know, doing this work together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, we did something similar, and it strikes me that um, what from what I've heard, um, the larger the church is, the more difficult that is, obviously, because, you know, you, you get a little, it, gets, it can get a little bit unruly uh, with that many screens and, you know, people forgetting to unmute the, or to mute themselves and all that kind of thing. But um, for a smaller church, I think it works well as a way of, like, we're, we're all, like, we're praying a liturgy together. Obviously, we can't hear each other, you know, people need to stay muted, but... Um, but yeah, I was just, uh, I was just, I wanted to point that out. I guess uh, there's, there's benefits and drawbacks, I think, to both approaches, but I have seen um, it work for both, church, both kinds of approaches work for different churches. So, well, thanks for that, Sean. Uh, Cliff, how about you guys? What's, what's been the history of your uh, engagement with liturgy and sacraments during COVID? Uh, I, I first just want to comment on what Sean was saying that I think that's interesting that there's these different variables we hear about different contexts, you know, different church styles and so forth. But something that you just use multiple times referenced, Sean, was rain and 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 how another variable is geography. Mm-hmm. Seriously, oh, around yeah. the country. Yeah. And we have extreme heat in the summer and y'all have extreme wetness and extreme yeah. cold uh, for extreme, us. <laughs> extreme cold in Chicago. And so yeah. our you know it's it just points again to how contextual this question mm-hmm. is, even yeah. to the level of geography yeah. and climate. Yeah. Um yeah, for us, we our first Sunday that we did anything, you know, back in March, we went to park worship and we dispersed into six different sites around the city hmm. and sent out the elements. Hmm. And um, and that particular Sunday, a written sermon from me, just to kind of the congregation that was kind of pastoral in tone about everything that's going on. And um, so we had, you know, people spread out around the city uh, just worshiping in public for yeah. And it was really cool to have it in six different places where people could be more local and see actually, oh, this person lives in my part of town and (laughs) might not have known that before because our church Mm -hmm. draws from different parts of the city and um, different neighborhoods. And then we moved to morning prayer worship and did live stream. And we have a church property. So it was we live streamed from the property and did morning prayer for quite a stretch and what we would do during that morning prayer stretch is uh, drive through consecrations, not drive through communion. So it would not be drive through and take communion, but we'd have people bring like a whole bottle of wine or port oh. and oh, a loaf or two of bread that they could yeah. freeze. And we would consecrate elements that they could then use for four to six weeks while we had communion on in the live stream. And then we'd have a moment where they could administer the elements uh, to themselves or each other um, so that while we're doing communion services on the live stream, we're not just doing it on site and leaving out people yeah. at home. Yeah. Yeah. So then we would do that consecration, drive-through consecration uh, periodically. Yeah. And the cool thing that happened from that that was also semi-intended but secondary Um, Mm -hmm. but became as important really was the pastoral connection as Mm -hmm. people would drive through. We would stay distanced as clergy. They would stay in their car, but we'd have a conversation. And, Mm. and, you know, remember back to May, June of last year, when it was such, it was so hard. Mm -hmm. It was such a hunger to connect after quarantining in a pretty intense way. So that was, um, that was our approach to communion. Mm. And then we did some outdoor services, um, like on our property okay. to catch people that um, just were ready to show up in an outdoor space. This was later mm-hmm. in the pandemic. Okay. Uh, not ready to come inside, but yeah. ready to be outdoors and we'd have communion outdoors at the mm. church occasionally. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, that's great. Um, drive, 
drive-through consecrations. I, li- I like that. Hey everyone, it is time once again for the C4SO Cycle of Prayer Spotlight, where we highlight the specific ministry that we're praying for this week in our diocesan cycle of prayer. This week we're praying for All Souls South Placer in Lincoln, California, led by the Reverend Billy Steen. And he has joined us to share briefly about what's going on right now and how we can pray specifically for uh, them. Billy, welcome to the C4SO Cycle of Prayer Spotlight. Thank you. Um, what's uh, one thing that you're encouraged by right now uh, at All Souls? Well, I think the thing I've been the most, probably the most encouraged by is uh, the fact that we survived the pandemic. We were only about mm. six months into our church plant when everything shut down. And okay. uh, our sturdy core group uh, hung together. And, and mm. like the book of Esther, the message being that uh, against all odds, they survived. That's how it feels to us. <laughs> we're pretty grateful. Yeah, that is encouraging. Um, what's the challenge uh, that you're facing right now? The, the challenge we have right now is that we have not yet been able to secure public space, though people mm. are anxious and ready to meet again. We were meeting okay. in a local high school here uh, yeah. that still has not opened up and none of the public facilities have. Mm. We were able to secure um, an outdoor, beautiful outdoor venue by the city center of city of Roseville, neighboring community. Mm-hmm. And so we met there Easter and have been meeting there ever since. And it's it's great to be uh, back together again, but we, we are yeah. outdoors right now. Okay. Very good. And then in light of all of that, how can we pray specifically for you and for all souls? I think primarily for uh, the Lord's work to uh, bring us the momentum we need and uh, mm. critical mass that we need. So we've, yeah. we've survived, but now that's, uh, that's the way ahead. And, uh, and it can look daunting if we look at the, you know, outward circumstances. But uh, And then a children's ministry director. We have our music person, okay. but we don't have that person in place yet and okay. need that on the way ahead. All right. Well, uh, thanks for joining us and sharing uh, a little bit about uh, where you all are at, Billy. Thank you for your interest in your prayers. Yeah. Uh, Listeners, if you'd like to find out more about All Souls South Placer or to contribute to their work or apply for a job as a children's director, uh, perhaps even, (laughs) check out the link in the show notes. Yes. All right. Thanks again, Billy. Peace. Thank you. God bless. Maybe let's turn now to uh, just like, what are your plans uh, going from from here on out? You know, this as we're recording this, the CDC has recently um, revised its mask guidance, which, you know, has felt like freedom for some people and it's felt confusing to other people. And it's, um, you know, we've got all kinds of different, um, yeah, just all kinds of different uh, feelings in our church. I, I assume that you do in your churches as well. Um, but what are you planning to do as it regards liturgy and sacraments um, going forward? Uh, here, um, maybe we'll we'll maybe do the uh, method here where we start where we ended last time. So, Cliff, do you want to do you want to share a little bit about what you guys are planning to do? Um, do you mean liturgically, sacramentally, or yeah. sacramentally, or yeah. health protocols? Well, I mean uh-huh. liturgically, sacramentally. I mean, ba- yeah, and yeah. It's, it's all connected, right? But yeah. yeah, whatever whatever you think might be salient. Uh, well, we sure. To. Yeah, we've been on site worshiping. Um, one service. We were two services pre-pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. And so we are actually this Sunday going back to two services. Okay. We have been registrate, doing registrations and we're dropping registrations. Okay. Um, so now there's, you know, you can just show up. There's mm-hmm. two services. We're not yet doing like kids, our kids ministry and nursery, okay. but we are, we actually have scheduled the return of that for in, in the summer. In a few okay. weeks, we'll bring that back. Um, and we are right now in the middle of talking what we're about what we're doing in terms of masks and so on. Um, okay. But we also that is also we will be dropping um, the mask requirement and going to optional at an as of yet undetermined date. But yeah. we see okay. that coming, and we're talking yeah. about when are we going to do that. Okay. Um, so those are those are some of the return to worship yeah. in terms of Eucharist and liturgy. I mean, we're actually as as of this Sunday, we're going full full stream back to um, 
our normal services, mm. our full processions. You know, we okay. kind of drop processions out of the live stream and uh, processing for the gospel reading. We drop that out. We're going to bring that back in. We're going to full communion, both services. We'll pro- the in, way in we ad- yeah, in both okay. kinds. Right. The way we administer the Eucharist is um, has been single file, where they receive the bread from somebody who's masked and they're masked and the person serving the bread has had latex gloves on, you know, Mm -hmm, and then they go mm -hmm. get the wine and there's an individual pouring into a little plastic cup that they bring forward. We're probably going to be adjusting that too, to make, to scale back a little bit of the, those precautions. Okay. Um, But we haven't, we haven't figured out how, uh, at, at what pacing we'll bring back kind of normal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, the pouring of the wine, immediately my pragmatic mind goes to like, how many times has that spilled all over people's hands or like, <laughs> <laughs> has that been an issue or uh, you guys figured it out? I'm you sure. know what? So. I, it's been remarkably uh, clean. It hasn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that hasn't happened very much. <laughs> well, good, good. Yeah. Well, that's great. That's, uh, thanks for sharing that. Um, that, that that's got to feel encouraging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To yeah, feel yeah. like we can go get back to some of these things safely. Yeah. Yeah. Sean, how about you guys? What's your plan going forward? You guys going to keep meeting at the park when it's dry or what's the plan? Yeah, we, um, back in September, 2019, we moved into a new building. So we only had five, six months under our (laughs) belt. Yeah. And once the the pandemic hit and things kind of locked down, um, the folks who were leasing us that space was a church that had outgrown it, was meeting at a bigger space. Mm-hmm. Um, but we weren't using the building and they very generously came to us and said, Hey, we're going to just pause the, the lease. You oh, guys don't have to pay. That's great. Well, then when it was August time to re up on the lease, our board said, you know what? Like we're not, we're not going to sign a new lease. Mm. So we've been without like a, an indoor space mm-hmm. since, um, yeah, August, 2020. Mm-hmm. Well, um, here we are and there's a question mark as to yeah. whether or not the public school will allow this congregation to be in their large auditorium space mm-hmm. and they might need to remain in this space that was ours on Sunday morning for multiple mm-hmm. services to kind of okay. accommodate their, their okay, large wow. Uh, wow. congregation. So we're sort of in a place asking, okay, God, you took us to this yeah. space back in September, 2019 you took right. us on to Zoom and then a public park in 2020. Um, right. We're actually asking again where yeah. he's leading us. So that's a big okay. question mark. Um, okay. I think that one of the things, just connecting that with sort of the formation that's happened um, mm-hmm. throughout 2020, um, yeah. this little anecdote, we've been meeting at the same park every Sunday since July, right? Well, two weeks ago, the local parks department didn't tell us that Instead of first come, first serve, which the parks had been for over a year in pandemic, they just didn't want to touch making reservations. They had changed that on May 1st. And Sunday, Mm. May 2nd, it had now been reserved. So we showed up to set up with all of our, you know, our whole circus (laughs) um, and the place is reserved. So at 830 on a Sunday, our liturgy starts at 1030. um, We had to pick a different park (laughs) and mobilize. And it went off without a hitch. It was hilarious. We, and I looked around everybody was totally normal. And I said, Oh wait, this is one of the things God has done for us. Mm. (laughs) Glory to God. Like, look at how like nimble we are that, you know, Mm. we're not been out of shape about this. So I'm praying that spirits with us, uh, Mm. as we navigate what's coming, because we're not sure where we're going to be. And I think that's our, our heart towards the pieces of the liturgy and the sacrament. Mm. Um, we, in serving the Eucharist, we had been um, having people stay in their kind of distanced pods, and we've mm-hmm. been going out um, to serve communion to folks. Well, we changed that a few weeks ago, and now folks are lining up, and they're coming forward uh, to mm-hmm. receive. And we're just intincting for everyone, and they receive in both kinds. Um, okay. So the and- server... The server intinks. Yeah, server intinks. People just open their hands and they yeah. receive. Okay. Yeah, that sounds think- messy too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sometimes, you know, people are getting every Slurp, last drop. Lick up the rest of it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think, like you mentioned, Ben, we've sort of watched as, you know, like 
hey, we've discovered surfaces are mm -hmm. not as big of a right. problem as we thought it, it was. And, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Outdoors is really strong. Um, we didn't have our baptismal font uh, early on when we went to the park. Yeah. And then after a while, we realized, yeah, just didn't want a bunch of people putting their hands in the same water right. um, in a pandemic. But once we realized, you know, that wasn't um, as big of a concern for for folks who were learning about this stuff, um, we put it back and somebody overheard uh, an older couple walk by um, and uh, cross themselves at the font and then just say, like, it's about time. <laughs> uh, so about I would say moving time. forward, yeah. I have been... I've really been reminded how how much um, the the movements, uh, the ceremonial, um, all of the the manual actions mm -hmm. they they serve people in mm -hmm. such a big yeah. way, yeah. and yeah. I think having a lot of that taken away mm -hmm. um, yeah. has reminded me like wow this is such a pastoral gift to people. Um, mm. So you know whether it's um, you know, thinking about how we're going to, um, you know, thinking think of how we're going to celebrate holy days or how we're going to incorporate mm -hmm. um, just new parts of, of our worship. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm reminded how, how much of a gift that is for folks. Yeah. 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 That's really, that's really cool. Um, and uh, what a cool story too about your um, church becoming this kind of nimble, uh, connected group of people who are able to just go to another park, uh, the drop of a hat. So it's quite, uh, quite encouraging. Uh, Amanda, how about, um, how about y'all? What, are, what yeah. are you planning to do going forward? Well, I really resonate with um, what Sean was saying about kind of moving toward more participation and people hungry for that. Um, yeah. We right now, honestly, we're doing a lot of listening. Um, mm -hmm. Our we, again, as I mentioned, we have this uh, team of lay leaders who we've called our regathering team who've been all the ones to do the hard work of walking through protocols and, and doing the listening and making the, the choices and implementing them, which has been okay. um, really great, <laughs> really great to have that. Those, that's their job and they did a great job with it and mm -hmm. are doing a great job with it. So they just sent out a survey actually to the congregation asking things like, you know, if we were to all, how comfortable are you right now with us all singing as loud as we want? Just yet, mm -hmm. you know, comfortable, not comfortable yet. You know, a bunch mm -hmm. of questions like that, just to get okay. a sense of where are people at? Um, mm -hmm. And because there's, you know, there's the health protocols, but then there's where our people are at and what they need. And we learned yeah. some interesting things with it, right? We learned that people are ready to come forward for communion again. And I'm excited yeah. for that. We learned yeah. people are ready to offer prayers during prayers of the people again. And I'm mm -hmm. super excited for that. That's been one of the mm -hmm. things I personally have missed the most is is and felt the pressure of we've kind of had the clergy leading prayers and i'm like i don't want these to be my prayers i want this to be our prayers and to hear what's on people's hearts um mm. so i'm excited i think we will anyway our regathering team is meeting this week to kind of make some recommendations but i think mm. we'll, we will be moving toward more participation and normalcy but slowly what i'm what mm. i'm thinking a lot about for us this summer because uh, actually jay is on sabbatical for two months starting in june and so we're not going to be making a lot of changes during that time. But I'm, I'm just super aware of the need in our congregation for healing and connection. And liturgy is one of those things that can help provide that healing and connection. And what are the ways to tap into that? And that, yeah. that, so that, that's the question that I'm, I'm thinking about even more than the, than the protocol calls. Or what are those things that can help us come to a place of healing and reconnection mm. when we have this grief and this anger and this sadness and this disconnection that we're all carrying around in our bodies yeah. um yeah. what are the things we need to do with our bodies mm -hmm. to bring about that healing um and this is again i think you know liturgy for us anglicans is an embodied thing as you said yes yes so yeah. how, how can we tap into that what are those places yeah. in the service that we can bring that to mind or encourage that mm -hmm. at home um so yeah. those are the those are, that's the bigger question I think I'm thinking about, and it's more question yeah. than answer at this point. Although I do think we'll start singing more robustly again, which has been a big uh, loss for our congregation. Yeah, so, yeah. things like that. Amanda, that's you great. guys are indoors right now, and you're refraining from from singing. Is that right? Yeah, I mean that's the official. You know, you get we've gotten a little louder as people have gotten more comfortable. Um, and again, again, what are well. 
We've been trying to follow local guidelines as well as what the Archdiocese of Chicago, the Catholic Archdiocese, has been doing. Um, okay. And singing is just one of those things, right? Since this is an airborne virus, and yeah, singing just, yeah. which we have, a, a, music is a huge part of our who mm. we are as a congregation. I mean, mm. it's a little self-serving for me to say that because I'm the one who leads it. <laughs> but <laughs> that's just part of our identity as a congregation. Yeah. And this is one of the yeah. things we've heard why people don't come back to, to the, re, you know, the, the regathered embodied worship. Because um, we probably, I don't know, anyway. But um, is that they can sing as much as they want at home. And, and it's too mm. hard to come in person and feel oh. like they can't. And I feel that Stifled. too. Yeah, it's hard to come yeah. to worship and feel like you're just, in, you know, trying to keep yourself to yourself. Like, where's the freedom in that? Where's the healing mm. in that? Um, yeah. So again, I don't know exactly what our team will will recommend, but I, I think we will. That will be one of the things I think we start to move to. We are inside. We open the windows as as big as we can. And now that yeah. our weather is nice, one of the crazy ideas I've had for the summer. Again, to kind of accommodate more people. And, and um, we have a lawn right outside our sanctuary. And what would it be mm-hmm. like to just open the windows and put a speaker out there and say, I mean, you guys do this yeah. outside all the time, but we haven't done that. So bring yeah. your blankets. Your kids can be loud if they need to. We have Ravinia yeah. near us, which is the big outdoor music festival. So we, we say mm-hmm. Ravinia Church. So I don't know if we'll do that, <laughs> but I like to dream about that a little bit. Again, yeah. Yeah. just to have a place of connection and freedom and, and healing where we're not having to yeah. think so much about all the protocols and can just yeah. worship. Yeah, that's really great. Kind of leads into uh, one of the last questions I want to ask here um, uh, of all of you. Um, you know, th- obviously the pandemic has created a lot of challenges for us, um, but I, I wonder if it's also created any opportunities that you guys can see for you and your churches regarding, you know, uh, the way that your church embodies liturgy uh, and participates in the sacraments. Um, are there any opportunities that have come up for you uh, in the midst of this? I wonder um, if we might end up outdoors in the future on purpose. <laughs> yeah, um, I think, Interesting. you know, Amanda, how you mentioned, you know, just throwing open the windows. We had a couple times um, throughout all this where uh, we had very public worship. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Ash Wednesday, we held at a park right next to the cultural center here in town, and we did it noon on Wednesday. And the number of passerbys who just kind of paused, and Ash Wednesday has that kind of like, it's sticky for folks. Like they see that, and there's something about that liturgy that. It just really grabs you, um, and and it, the gospel in that liturgy really names um, something. I think people desperately, ex- you know, need to hear. They experience it, and they need to have it articulated to them. Um, and we saw folks like rolling down windows in cars, mm-hmm. like parked mm-hmm. on the street by where we were gathering. We saw people kind of coming out on their porch, mm-hmm. and it was subtle, but you could see that, you know having the gospel in the public square and having it visual too, right? Like yeah. the moving through, I moved through the, the, the congregation um, ministering the ashes and um, it was just a very, a very neat surprise. And mm. so I wonder if there's going to be more of that perhaps yeah. in our future. Mm. Um, so I think that was one thing that we've pondered. Um, hmm. I think the, uh, the other thing we did, similar to what Amanda described, uh, going into last uh, uh, last Advent and then through each of the the seasons of the church, we sent home boxes. We called them Faith at Home, and they were these uh, little wine wood crates, and we purchased a bunch of them and sort of delivered them on people's doors mm-hmm. um, and picked up their empty one and mm. put a fresh one there with all kinds of elements and, you know, pieces of the the prayer book and um i think the giving folks in their home a marker of the church season like we come and we show up on sunday and we see the color we we hear the lectionary texts Mm -hmm. but kind of putting that in people's homes like we we even did like um like like a table runner um that was colored Hmm. for the season that people could use and just different elements mm. that um, that sort of 
helped folks in their homes step into the church season and the story of the gospel. So that, that I think is something we might end up retaining and also the use of video um, mm-hmm. and uh, sort of evergreen type um, productions that tell stories that we want to tell, but you know, you produce something and you produce it really well, like we would, uh, you know, our Sunday worship, but you can capture it on video and it's there forever. And so mm-hmm. just that investment going, wow, if we do this well um, and we put the time into it, it can serve people anytime they visit the website. And um, we did some teaching around the church calendar for children. Mm-hmm. And we had these um, this amazing artist, our, our amazing children's ministry director, and they collaborated and made something that we're going to use mm-hmm. for years to come. So I was sort of, you know, on the lo-fi, um, the lo-fi bandwagon. And now I'm like, oh, man, there's, there's really a gift here yeah. um, about how this season made us all televangelists. And now we can, <laughs> we can kind of share that easier. In some, in some ways, yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. Anybody else? What, what opportunities have come up for this? Yeah, I was thinking in, like, in both direct, in opposite directions, I see opportunities of both um, this helping us to become more hyper local mm-hmm. because I think we're all hungry for what we've missed this past year. It highlights for us how much we want each other's presence and want to be in kind of physical proximity and um, l- our literal neighbors and neighborhoods. We're all a little bit more aware of what birds nest in our trees now and what people walk down our streets and even in our church neighborhoods. And so I kind of see a, an opportunity to to uh, capture some of that that's happening and press into more kind of local embodied. And then in the other direction, um, more digital. And yet I have, I, I'm like you, Sean, I, I, by nature, I'm lo-fi. Our church has been lo-fi. But like everybody else, we've learned some of the gifts of what technology allows. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we like we've for years had kind of backburnered alpha while we had some other priorities and couldn't get it going and chose not to for various reasons. And then during the pandemic, we launched alpha online mm. and um, had some traction with it. It mm-hmm. feels like it's now there's mo- actually momentum in alpha online that we never were able to get before. Um, and you know, a, a couple other things that in terms of liturgy that, Outside, we've been talking mostly about Sundays. Mm. Um, we've been doing midday prayer mm-hmm. on Tuesdays, and um, it's just like thirty minutes, and mm-hmm. that's actually gotten really great traction. And we'll probably keep doing online. It's you know Zoom based midday prayer, even when we don't have to, because we've had really great engagement mm-hmm. with bringing the daily office into our lives more than we were able to before. We tried to do evening prayer, for instance, at our church building mm-hmm. where you had to come to the building and you know it lasts 30 minutes and you go home, but it's an hour and a half commitment to do it. And this, you can just like jump on, participate in the office with others yeah. Yeah. and you're off. So that some of those other kind of elements we'll keep. We did a prayer vigil we'll probably keep that was online where we used the, all the monastic hours and did a 24-hour period where people signed up mm. for one of the hours. And even the, the middle of the night watch, you know, mm. people sign up. And <laughs> we would have a theme of prayer for 24 hours where people kept the hours together in the church. That would not have been possible, like, using the building on site for that. So yeah. I, see, I see some ways that the liturgy, even outside of Sundays, will we have some opportunities yeah. going forward. Yeah. It is, it is interesting uh, how you talked about that going in two directions there, Cliff, where there's this opportunity to be more hyper-local, but also this opportunity to connect across geographic space in new ways that we didn't maybe didn't think uh, was important or necessary, uh, but maybe, you know, maybe going forward, it's like, oh, this, this actually works in this context for this, you know, obviously, again, you can't take the Eucharist online. But there are a lot of things you can do online. We can pray together online. There's a there's a way of being together um, that it that it does afford us. It's really good. I really resonate with what you, sh- you shared, Cliff, about especially about um, prayer. We also had done a Wednesday evening 
evening prayer um, throughout the pandemic, and I think that we probably will continue that. And I think one of the gifts, strange gifts of this season has been an increased desire for prayer and an ability to kind of do that together wherever we are. I know our deacon, um, Ethan, wants to start offering daily prayer just because, like in the space, and open that up again to the community. Um, the other, I think, gift for us is I was thinking about in, in Old Testament images here for a second. I feel like we've kind of been sent into exile, right? Scattered. Um, yeah. But there's yeah. there's gifts in that. For, for Sean, I was thinking about, you know, you have, you're following the, the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire, right? Where it's going to go. <laughs> which park are we going go right, to go to? Which today? one are we going to go to? But for us, it's actually made us, it's, we've always been a very contemplative congregation. And for whatever reason, in the pandemic, this has expanded our desire to care for our neighbors. Um, through mm. an outpouring of, you know, food for the local food bank, gifts to our discretionary funds, um, f- local food distributions. We are in, now in a community for the first time, named uh, Highwood as our, our little community. Mm. And the desire to serve our neighbors has increased mm. out of this time, as well as our desire to offer prayer, that prayer in action together. So I'm excited about mm. that. That's really great. You know, ben, well, guys, one, this, yeah, go ahead, Sean. I, sorry, I, I, wanted, yeah. I wanted to throw <clears throat> one piece out there that, that I think will last for us. Hmm. Um, so many, so many things happened in 2020, mm-hmm. um, yeah. both collectively and in people's lives. Like, as Amanda said, there's a lot of need for healing. Um, mm. You know, I think the amount of post-traumatic stress in people's lives yeah. because of just the whole, uh, the dynamism of how tough this has been. Um, I think one thing that has been absolutely central as we've returned to in-person worship is seeing the the strength of what's offered in Eucharistic worship and each week hearing the story mm-hmm. in the prayer of consecration, hearing mm-hmm. um, and, and, and entering in and participating into the life of, of God and, uh, through Christ, I think teaching for us about how that is our story, that is mm-hmm. kind of the, the guiding um, narrative of our life that we that we participate in each Sunday, I think that's become so clear um, how just essential mm-hmm. that is. Yeah. Because I, I've seen as people amidst all of the stress and challenge, as they've returned to to gathered worship, just how um, just how profound it's been. Like yeah. after that fast, you know, mm-hmm. after fasting yeah. and being away from it. Right. Um, there is a sense of, uh, of of tasting it again for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I think increased teaching around, you know, what are we doing when, yeah. We, yeah. when we say that we're coming here to enter into the life of, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Because mm-hmm. um, it's just been, yeah, it's been wild to think that, that for so many of us, we've been without the sacrament yeah. in yeah. this really painful season. Yes. That's great. Well, uh, that's probably good enough for today, guys. I really appreciate your time. Uh, Amanda, Cliff, Sean, thanks for sharing a bit of where your churches are at. I think it's going to be really helpful for folks. Um, Yeah, appreciate being with you today. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the C4SO podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. Email us your thoughts and suggestions at connect at c4so.org.